Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matthew Statler. And we're excited about continuing on in our series of gospel faithfulness in the workplace. And, you know, so far, Matt, we've gotten had the pl- the privilege to uh, interview and talk with Mike Griffin, who's uh, in law enforcement. We talked last week with Russell Porterfield, who is a, a principal in a school in a difficult uh, school district, a transient one next to a military installation. So there's some unique challenges there. And I thought it was um, just kind of interesting how the guys talked a lot about, you know, their rhythms in life, how that affects the way they lead and are leading currently. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to kind of continue on in that vein by interviewing another uh, guest, John uh, Fetima. Is that right? Yeah, it was very good. Strong work. Well, all right. We're here with John Fetima, who is a firefighter, but um, actually has a more unique position within that community, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, you know, Matt, I kind of, you know, I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, made me think of our series uh, this week. And 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And of course, you know, in this text, he's, you know, he's talking about this this, uh, imperishable inheritance we have, you know, and how, you know, we're looking to this moment where the the Lord with with a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, when it sounds, the dead will be raised and we shall be changed. And this is this beautiful eschatological future end times focus. But then he brings the church of Corinth back to the right now, you know, this, this moment we're in. And he says, you know, to labor uh, into the Lord and that your labor in the Lord is not ever in vain. And so that kind of brings us to this picture of gospel faithfulness in the workplace and Man, it's not always easy to walk faithfully with the Lord in the context of our vocations. We get spun out just like with anything, you know, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a CEO. Um, these are difficult areas uh, to to walk in and, and be fruitful and faithful in. And, and the same is true for even in a ministry context as a pastor. Uh, there are seasons as a pastor where I found like, you know, myself kind of getting sideways, fishtailing a little bit, you know, and having to kind of bring, get, get back, get refocused, repent, turn back to the Lord, uh, exercise my faith in him again. And so, you know, we're going to continue on this, this vein with John Fatima. John, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us what you do. Uh, maybe give us some background about uh, you know, when you came to faith in Christ and and what that's looked like, you know, up to this moment. Absolutely. Um, currently, um, I work for the Central Arizona Fire and Medical Authority. Um, we're a, a, a district in Central Arizona, kind of uh, in the central region, Prescott, Prescott Valley area, kind of in the mountains above Phoenix. Um, I always like to mention we're about uh, 20 degrees cooler than Phoenix, so it uh, is a, a better part of, uh, of Arizona. 
But uh, I've been with the department for about coming up on 20 years, and we serve a population of about uh, 100,000 with 10 full-time stations, um, 11 engine companies that are out uh, doing the work. And uh, for the last uh, year and a half, I've uh, been working in the position of chief of operations. I've worked uh, through you know, the department starting actually as a uh, reserve part-time and then just moving my way up from firefighter, engineer, captain. And, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, but uh, yeah, over the last year and a half, it's kind of been a unique challenge serving in that role. And as operations, we have 125 members um, that are in the operations division that serve the public of, like I say, roughly around uh, 100,000 folks. And we run about uh, 15,000 calls annually, which is not uh, overly busy, but it definitely uh, keeps uh, keeps them working. So. Man, that's that sounds like a, a nightmare, if I was to be honest <laughs> with you, you know. <laughs> Uh, I think maybe layman's term for those of you not spun up on firefighter knowledge and how the system works, you know, maybe, maybe this kind of picture might relate to some of them. So you kind of serve like a, maybe as like a, a district manager over several different fire stations that are dealing with operations. Is that, is that kind of a comparable at all? Sure, absolutely. So, like, uh, as far as the division of our the labor for the operations, we have eight battalion chiefs that oversee the engine companies that are out there doing the work. They're the ones responding to the calls. The battalion chiefs are helping with the larger incidents uh, when something big happens. They, you know, are out there helping managing multiple resources, a big fire or a big car accident. Um, and so, I'm responsible for those eight battalion chiefs. One of them works in training. One of them works in EMS, which help just support those operations. But yeah, that's been the role over the last year and a half. Before that, I worked uh, a little over four years in the training division, which I really enjoyed. But uh, that was, you know, uh, a transition that was made a while back, right? Actually, at the start of COVID, which provided some interesting challenges. But yes, it, uh, for all intents and purposes, a train wreck that I just try to help keep on the rails. <laughs> oh, that's totally fair. Um, so you know, maybe you're asking the question of like, why why are y'all interviewing? uh john this this fireman this awesome um operations guy you know like what what what, how does that help help us you know and uh in in our vocation i think i think it's important a couple of reasons and matt maybe you can add in some some uh thoughts here too i think uh one it's important in the context of the christian community and the church we're made up of various parts right Um, There are people who do many different things and it helps us maintain unity when we understand one another uh, more intimately, one. And then two, um, we understand that we are supposed to be unified under Christ. And man, like 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that nothing we go through is uncommon to man. And so with that, you know, I I hope as we have been interviewing people in these different vocations. What we're going to see is some common themes and threads that are woven through in the life of our brothers and sisters in Christ. As each of us is trying to do the same things within our current context, right? Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. And I would also add, you know, Arizona um, is well known for the fires that we have. We, um, 
20 years ago, we had some pretty heavy losses for some firefighters and there's a lot of, um, um, catastrophes that happen through fire. I know it's always on our minds, uh, before the monsoon seasons about what we're allowed to use and what we can and can't burn. And there's, uh, we're always keeping an eye on, on that. Like we don't even have backyard little campfires in our backyard because we don't want anything to set something off. So, uh, it's always on our mind, at least <laughs> during this season. And and so loss is a big thing that firefighters experience. And everyone has experienced grief and loss in some way or another. Also, part of being in the helping or support professions or the first responder professions means you're going to deal with a lot of different types of people. Uh, you're not going to be socially isolated as much as you would if you had a job like in an office or something like that. Um, sure. And so John, um, his experience that he brings is going to be very valuable in that he can, he can share with us about loss and about um, um, part of the training and then dealing with loss. And he also is going to be able to tell us a little bit about dealing with various types of people um because there there are crazy people out there and unfortunately firefighters tend to uh, have to deal with some of those crazies um, on a regular basis and uh, we are so thankful for that so john uh, tell us a little bit about your faith journey that's good and i'll uh, i'll talk a little bit about crazy here in a little bit as well but as far <laughs> as my my faith journey um i would say you know i grew up in a christian home now that uh, my parents were very good about helping us understand that didn't equal salvation um we were t- instructed from a very young age that it was our responsibility to seek out a relationship with christ now, my parents were very good um, in terms of the example that they provided to us in living out and walking out their faith. But um, again, they were very clear that it was important for us to find that relationship. So, uh, you know, from a very young age, exposed to Christ and, uh, you know, exposed to the church and everything that went, you know, along with that. Um, and it was interesting because I actually, you know, made a commitment as a young man, young, I would say young boy, but um, I had asked my mom to pray with me, to lead me in that prayer, to accept Christ and to make that commitment. And at the time, I uh, was about 12 years old and I was baptized in that time and, uh, you know, working to move forward. I wanted Christ to be a part of my life. Um, and when I remember when I was young, I, uh, you know, I prayed for a lot of things. I prayed for the heart of David, the wisdom of Solomon, the courage of Daniel, you know, the strength of Samson. These were all imperfect men that God had used for his purpose. Um, I do find it interesting, though, the Lord saw fit to give me patience because I'm still patiently waiting on all of that. Um, I uh, He's given me none of that. So I I, I I wait still. So it's been good. But that was my exposure to the Lord. Now, you know, going back a little bit, um, I think Neil had said it about spinning out. And I think uh, Mike Griffin did a good job about saying, you know, he put it put Jesus on that shelf. I would say the way I have looked at my walk um, since I was young is uh, I've stiff-armed Christ, you know, more than once. You talk about, you know, walking with Christ and him being there side by side. You know, if I was to kind of give the example, you know, you and, uh, you know, Neil and Matt walking down the road and then Neil stiff-arms, you know, Matt and, you you know, starts running down the road. I got this only to trip and fall on the ground and uh, to look up like, woe is me. That. I think has described my faith or, you know, there's times in my life when I've been, you know, 
I want to say faithful. I, I've been doing the work. I've been focused on my relationship with Christ. And then all of a sudden I find myself trying to run out ahead and uh, get out ahead of myself, only trip and fall. And I just, you know, I'm very grateful throughout my entire career that the Lord has uh, sought fit to continue to pursue me, to continue to help me back up and, you know, guide me through the midst of my own foolishness. Um, about the only way I can describe it when I've, you know, gone down that road. So it's been a long journey. I think, uh, you know, the Lord, I'm grateful the Lord sought fit to grab me at a young age because I think he realized I don't, uh, I don't take direction very well. And it's going to take a long time before, you know, he, he uh, probably started getting anything good out of me. So he's been <laughs> doing work for a long time. And uh, I know, you know, the transition, you know, Mighty Oaks, you know, attending that was a help for me in taking that next step which we can kind of go into that down the road. But again, like I say, the journey um, in my faith has been long. And I felt that there's moments where, man, I am really, I'm really doing the work. It's, it's, it's going well. And then there are other times when I, I kind of put that arm out there and I run out ahead. Yeah. And let's just be clear. I definitely would be the one to stiff arm Matt. Uh, <laughs> I, I chose wisely. I, it was a, a purpose there in my choice. It's because I'm he, slow. He's, he's much, he's much more uh, gracious and, and, and loving and I'm slow and awesome. fat. So I can't run away from anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I, I, I totally, man, can uh, sympathize and, <laughs> empathize with what you're saying, John, you know, I, f I feel like a lot of times we, you know, when kids are running and they run so fast, they run out from their legs out from under them and eat the, eat the concrete often. You know, I feel like that for many of us, man, that's, that's the, that's been the story of our, you know, walk with Christ and, and God in his gracious mercy stands us back up and says, okay, come on, <laughs> uh, come back to me, come to me you know, draws us, draws us back towards him. Um, and then, you know, oftentimes we feel like, man, I just, we experience this exponential growth in this intimacy with the Lord and it's this sweet season and things there's peace and there's joy and there's rest. And then something happens, right. That almost feels like it, it cuts our legs out from under us and, Man, we 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 maybe it's loss, maybe it's fear, maybe it's sin. You know, a desire for something that's not inherently wrong or wicked, but turns into this idol, right? And uh, you know that happens in the life of every believer, right? So tell us, John, just kind of walk us through, and maybe. Maybe there's been some history of maybe idolatry in your life and how, how has God kind of revealed those things to you and how have you, um, how have you turned it back to him? What is repentance? How does repentance look like in your life? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, after I, um, you know, that initial kind of um, acceptance of Christ, wanting to move forward, you know, it, it took a while to actually find that pace. And I, I did find it interesting when I, uh, you know, the Lord sought fit to kind of help direct me into the fire service. It was never something I had thought about, um, but doors opened and I found myself in the fire service. And uh, when you talk about idolatry, um, what I, I joined was a group that um, puts, you know, 
our image in what we do. We put our identity in what we do. And I think, you know, even Mike Griffin talked about it in terms of law enforcement. I think that is something that is very dangerous when we talk about police, fire, um, the military even. We put our identity in this is my job and that's who I am. And I have uh, I define myself by my job. And I think uh, that's the danger. And I think the other part of it is um, growing up in a Christian home, I uh, wasn't exposed to what I quickly was exposed to in the fire service, both in the station and outside of it. And what I say in the station is I realized real quick, um, we normalized sin and we actually embrace it and uh, help move it forward. When you talk about, uh, you know, alcoholism, that's saw, that's seen as an acceptable, you know, way to cope with uh, the challenges of uh, the job. Um, you know, lust. I mean, we, we drive down the road and you gawk at the people on the side of the road and then, you know, pornography, all those things wasn't just uh, something that was done in the quiet. It was uh, normalized. And basically we, you, you did, um, you, you looked at all those activities as though, well, no one else is getting hurt. Um, no one else is finding out. This is part of the family that I'm a part of, and I'm just going to move forward. And uh, I definitely, you know, stumbled in the midst of all of that. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the Lord, you know, grabbing me in the midst of those, those stumbling and help me understand and grab me out of that and uh, help guide me down the path. Because that is what I see in terms of the fire service, each, each one of those that um, leads us down that path. We have this um, little pet alligator that we're trying to control and it's that sin in our life. And then all of a sudden it, it snatches us and grabs us and pulls us down. And all of a sudden we're wondering where, how did we get here? And uh, it's because we, we ended up going down a road that uh, it was kind of normalized by that family. Hmm. John, so you got you... bit by, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You got bit by an alligator, right? At some point. Correct. <laughs> and brought into the death roll. Um, and how did, how did you, what were the, what was the circumstances that brought you to a place of repentance and, you know, a motivation to wage war against your own flesh? You know, I think, uh, you know, just getting down to a certain path where, it, you know, eventually it was affecting my relationship at home. It actually even affecting my relationship with Christ, obviously, because, I was holding back a percent of my heart that was allowing me to say, Hey, these things are okay. You know, going to the station and, you know, looking at the, the magazines that were in the, the bathroom, that was okay. And eventually it came to a head, even with my relationship with my wife, where it was like, uh, I needed that redemption. And, you know, the Lord saw fit to grab me before it, uh, I think took me down a path that was, uh, you know, too deep. But at the same time, it required me to work on my heart. And it, it became down to an understanding uh, and the realization that Christ paid for all of my sin to have all of my heart, not to have a portion of it, um, but to give it all to him. And, uh, you know, again, it, that's been a, it's been a journey. It, was, it didn't just happen like, uh, you know, as that uh, one moment, but I've had to, you know, kind of uh, come to grips with some of those different sins in my life and, uh you know, figure out and fully commit to walking in that faithfulness. So, John, would you would you say that a lot of guys, um, you know, maybe in your shoes or, or what have you, 
have this fear of losing their identity. And so instead of, you know, taking the steps they need to um, deal with some of maybe adultery or pornography or alcohol abuse or anything like that, instead of taking those steps, uh, they, they use the same means that they um, they've always used. So they've, they continue to drink or they go deeper into what it is. Um, where, you know, where, where are they finding their, their hope, would you say, or have you, where have you noticed men finding their hope? Well, and I think, um, not to get off track of the question, I think they're not seeing that hope. And I think we're seeing that play out in the lives of these men and women where there is a loss of hope. Because, again, uh, I mean, we talk about the fire service, I think the police is the same, but we talk about it being a family. And for 10 days a month, we eat, we drink, we work out. We sleep in, you know, together at the stations. It's a family and you do a lot to try to be a part of that family, especially coming in, you know, coming in for the first time as a young firefighter into that family. I wanted to, I wanted to identify with that family. I wanted to be accepted into that family. And ultimately some of that ends up leading you down a path where, you know, it's not with Christ. It's away from Christ at that point. It's away from that, you know, the strength that you get from a positive rhythm you know, looking at uh, being in prayer, being in the word, things that I grew up on all of a sudden kind of faded away and lost focus. And it took, uh, you know, finding myself in the midst of some of that turmoil to realize like, no, 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 no. I need to get back to, you know, what I was taught, what that example that I saw on being in the word, being in pr- true prayer, giving up my heart, not just going to the Lord with a prayer that says, you know, thank you for this. Give me this. But truly, you know, being in prayer and giving up my heart uh, and my thoughts to uh, you know the Lord, and again, that hopelessness is what we see. And in in our own area, I would say we've seen it over this last year. Uh, just several weeks ago, a um, a police officer in our area we're not a, we're not a big community. Um, police officer in our area took his life, um, and uh, he did so in isolation and uh, just again a general loss of hope. I would say six months before that, I'm a firefighter that worked for the Prescott Fire Department. His uncles um, worked for our departments. Um, he took his life. And again, it was a moment of isolation. It was a moment of, uh, you know, separation from just kind of got compressed, got pushed down by his experiences, both in the military and in the fire service and could did not see a path out of it. What um what habits have you developed now or patterns um, of faithfulness have you developed in your own life in order to kind of not isolate um, and to be more biblically faithful in the workplace, um, at home, et cetera? You know, because a lot of times, whether they say 90% of what we do is we don't think about, right? It's like a habit, like brushing my teeth. I don't even think about getting up and brushing my teeth anymore. Uh, so what are some things that you have started to work into your life in order to be um, more faithful? And, and I would say, honestly, um, the Mighty Oaks provided me the biggest component to that rhythm, that that um, steady kind of um, pattern that would help me kind of align my life with Christ. And again, I would say it's you know going back to four B's you know, waking up in the morning and spending time in the word. 
and uh, giving myself enough time to not just open it up, read the verse and move on, but to somewhat chew on it and to think about it during the day. The other part, um, you know, just listening to podcasts, listening to, you know, sermons while I'm running or while I'm driving. Um, and then the, the other part, which was something that um, has developed more now than ever before, was that community of um, like-minded, you know, brothers in Christ that uh, can help with that walk. And I would say that's been very helpful in, again, that daily rhythm where I get up and I move forward. And because that faithfulness, when I get up, when I read the Bible and I spend time, I spend time with Jesus, I spend time praying, I notice a difference in the way I go about my day. I notice a difference in the way I interact with the, the men and women in the fire department. Uh, I notice it in my conversations. I notice it. You can probably see it in my blood pressure, you know, as I go about my day and deal with challenges. It definitely sets my, my day off well. And now there's definitely times when I, I lose sight of it um, and I, I miss it, but it's, it's coming back to that. And I would say, again, the Mighty Oaks and what I took from that, it was not a radical change in my general mindset, but it was a radical change in my rhythms and my patterns. And I, um, you know, when I came out of there, one of the things that hit me the hardest was the discussion about being a, you know, a passive man and a passive Christian. And I would say I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't want to describe myself as passive. Obviously what I do, you know, requires me to be, you know, aggressive. It requires me to be out there and doing the work, but there is definitely components of my life where I was passive. And part of that being passive was in my, my walk with Christ. I took my, my relationship with Christ for, for granted uh, at more than once in, uh, you know, in my life and in this, this time. And it helped me to kind of realign that to get back into a better routine to be in the word and be closer to Christ. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool, John, how you kind of teased out for us really methods for cultivating the hope that is in us. Right. Like if, if the problem you're identifying is there are there are individuals in certain, you know, uh, services or vocations as yours and your own that lack hope as a Christian, we're to, we, because we have the hope of Christ in us, we're to further cultivate the hope that is in us, right? That way we would grow in our hope, in our faith, in our walk with Christ, and then be a distributor of that hope. And so, John, I just, man, I'm just curious, you know, as a leader, right, you have 125 firefighters under you, right? Is that, was that correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 So you got 125 firefighters under you. How does a, how does John distribute hope to these 125 folks? Like, what are some things you've done? So... I um, actually texted my wife yesterday about midday, and it was interesting because the text that I sent her was, you know, it, it was amazing. I had talked more about Christ in my day than I did about anything else. And uh, that has been something that has come again since that my yokes, more of a boldness to talk about it. And I don't go to work, you know, swinging a Bible around waiting to hit somebody with it. But it's been interesting, the opportunities that the Lord has you know, presented that are probably always there. 
I've just, you know, seeing them more clearly as I continue to uh, mature in my own faith. But it was amazing. I came home that day and I was I was pumped. I, w- I had a great day. And uh, not only was I trying to lead the department, but uh, I was able to share Jesus. And I think, again, that boldness has come uh, more recently for me. It's not something that comes natural to me, but has come more recently. And I think the Lord has kind of helped reveal that to me that I can walk out my faith. And I've worked very hard to walk out my faith. But one of the things that I haven't done is understand that words matter and that it requires words to get out there to share with, you know, the men and women of the department, what hope is within me? Because I can I can walk out my faith, but that doesn't necessarily connect the the dots that uh, bring people to Christ. I don't show up to work and I'm nice one day, and all of a sudden people look at me and say, "Man, John wasn't a jerk today. I need Jesus." It doesn't necessarily connect like that. I need to be willing to step out in a boldness and to share the hope that is within me. And it was amazing because. Uh, Again, some of it's just been going to the Mighty Oaks and that using that as a platform to talk to people and people asking about it and curious about it. And uh, I mean, what the first gentleman I talked to, we were talking about sin. We were talking about the struggle in the difference of, you know, why isn't there a, a hierarchy of sin? You know, why is it, uh, you know, the same? And so we were navigating that together. And then I go to the, the next station and I'm talking to a guy and we're, one minute we're talking about hose loads and what we want to do to change the hose loads in the next minute, he's talking to me like, man, I am struggling in my walk with Christ. Like I am, I keep failing. And so then we're, we're going through that. And the next minute I'm talking to a, you know, someone who was a cornerman in my life that is navigating a very difficult time. And uh, man, I, like I say, I walked home and I was, I was encouraged by those opportunities. And again, it wasn't like I was going out there. And, and even initiating some of these conversations, I was being present. Uh, we were talking through it. And it, the, you know, the, the conversations ended up just getting to that point where we talk about uh, Christ and I talk about the hope that is within me. And uh, man, it was it's like I say, it was a lot of fun to get done with the day. And like, man, that was that was a good day. So you're saying obedience brings joy. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, it's a great, great principle. I, our kids say it all the time. I make them say it. I'm <laughs> trying to hide that, that and hide them. in this. Yeah, they. I don't know if they get it yet, but they don't get it. One of the things that struck me that you said, though, and I think this is a common lie we hear, especially when we're talking. I know, I know Matt and I have heard this as pastors. Um, when talking with uh, a congregant, for instance, who's trying to walk out their faith in the workplace, well, they'll you'll often say, "Well, how what what do you do to share your faith? How do you how do you look for opportunities to do that?" Oftentimes, you hear, "Well, I just live out my faith," you know, and uh, they never speak, right? Like they never actually share anything. It's like I'm I. It, what, what's the what's the, live the gospel use words if necessary the old the old uh, phrase which is you know a lie according to Romans ten seventeen that tells us faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ like we do not respond to the gospel unless we hear said gospel right and so there's a requirement for a life that reflects faithfulness to Christ and to a communication of the hope that is within us to those who are around us. 
And so I, I love that you, you kind of, um, drew that out somewhat. Um, so John, I remember about, I don't know, maybe it was eight months ago. I got a phone call from you and, uh, maybe it was a little longer and you, you were like, man, I, I kind of want to do this Bible study with some, with some folks. Can you kind of tease that out? So you, you went through phase one training with Mighty Oaks warrior programs, um, you you can't went back home and man God God put something on your heart. Can you share some of that? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So obviously attended you know in the the program in um, twenty twenty in July of twenty twenty, and then like I say I attended phase one a, a few months later, and uh, so now we roll into you know twenty one and. Uh, I think shortly before I called you, that's when we lost uh, Ty Seats. Ty Seats was the firefighter for the Prescott Fire Department that took his life. And uh, that, you know, that affected a lot of people. And in the midst of some of that chaos and that and the mess, um, one of his friends, a, a captain that, um, you know, works for us, came to me, um, good Christian man. I would say, like I say, he's a, he's a cornerman for me now. Um, came to me and said, I, uh, I want to start a Bible study. Will you help me? And it's something that had been on my heart, been on my mind. And I just hadn't taken that next step. And I said, absolutely. I want to do this, but I, I want to make it sustainable. I want to make it so it's not, it, it outlasts the current tragedy and continues to move forward. And so we started making plans. Um, we approached the church to find a central location. So it wasn't at a, a anybody's home or anything like that, because we can, Things go sideways for firefighters when uh, it's not in the right location. Um, so we wanted to find, you know, the environment that would suit us well. So all that got set up. And that's when I reached out to you, um, just looking for a little guidance on, hey, what's a good study for us to go through? What's a good way to start this? Because we want it to be successful. And, uh, you know, after some of the discussion, we started going through the explicit gospel. And we took a study that would go six weeks, I think is the plan. And we were going to do it in four months. So, you know, good for firefighters for uh, drawing it out even longer. But it's worked out very well to because we have people coming and going, people getting off shifts. And uh, when it first started, it was just he and I. And uh, we were we sat down and uh, we, we met the first time, just he and I. And the Lord just continued to move um, to the point where. We eventually, I mean, even now, I think we have 17 people, you know, on a text group, um, you know, sharing the gospel, sharing, you know, just experiences that are coming in and out of that Bible study. And uh, it has been truly amazing to hear some of the conversations, be a part of that um, week in and week out. And honestly, that's been a huge part of my rhythm that has helped strengthen me is that study. And that was one of the things that was clear. I'm not there to guide. I'm there to be a part of it. I'm there to, you know, basically be on this journey with these, these men to move forward. And, uh, it's, it's been awesome. So the experience itself was very good. Um, to go a little deeper, uh, I think the Lord had, um, I don't say other plans, but he certainly was moving in the midst. And, um, I know I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, Neil, but the same, uh, faithful man of God that approached me and said, Hey, I want to start a Bible study. Uh, we were eight weeks in and he missed, you know, the Bible study, not a big deal. Um, and so in reaching out, I found out why he had gotten a, a DUI 
in uh, you know, midst of some of his own battles and some of his own challenge, he found himself in a very dark place. And, uh, you know, it, it's some, a place that he found himself over time. And he was searching, he was trying, and uh, it just grabbed a hold. And it bit him. You, you talk about that, alligator. It, it bit him, twisted him, and pulled him into the muck. And uh, I remember found out on a Friday after the study, and I went over, over with him and, uh, man, just prayed with him, cried with him for two reasons. Um, one, you know, the spiritual battle that he was facing was obviously a difficult one, trying to navigate through that, some, some strains in his life and his marriage and his, uh, just everything. The second part of it is, uh, the other half was going to be the professional part of the job. And, uh, that was going to be a role I had to play as well in the accountability piece. When you talk about holding each other accountable as cornermen, this was going to be a very specific measured approach to holding someone accountable for something that happened. And we're still in the midst of it. We're still navigating it. Um, but we've had to, you know, navigate both sides of it. And to his credit, he has been a huge example to others on how you walk out your faith in the midst of that turmoil and that challenge. And in his faithfulness, we still have a great relationship. He is still a cornerman for me, yet we, he has gone through discipline. He's gone through demotion. Um, and there may be more coming, but, uh, he is, uh, a faithful follower of Christ. And actually he just went through, uh, mighty yokes three weeks ago when I did phase two. And it was awesome to, you know, be there to share that experience with him and to keep moving forward. And I, I, I would just, it, it's a credit to his faithfulness that he is, uh, you know, walking this out and doing the best he can to get back up. Um, he, again, he, he's been, uh, you know, a faithful follower of Christ he found himself in a, you know, a lost moment because of, of his own isolation. And the Lord has been very faithful in his life. And I'll tell you what, the next week when he showed up for the Bible study, we probably had twice the men, as many men at that study than we did before. And wow. uh, yeah, his example has been, has been awesome to see. And uh, it's been an interesting experience on, on both sides, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, navigating the professional side with the spiritual side and truly a friend. It's so amazing to me how you really walked out that proverb about when two walk together and one falls, the other one's there to pull them up. Um, and to be brothers, even when it would be so easy professionally to, to cut him out or to distance yourself, um, instead going there and, and wrapping your arms around him and, and, and walking through this as a brother in Christ, um, it just really is a, is a phenomenal testimony um, of the hope that you have and the hope that he has, and that your identities are not wrapped up in being yeah. that, you know, grade A professional firefighter or, or you know, fireman, or I don't know what, what the proper terminology is these days, fire person. <laughs> um, there you go. But, but yeah, but, but just that that walking out that hope, because honestly, you see that in the military, you see someone get a DUI and they recognize their career is pretty much um, done for, if not limited. And so their identity is gone. So not only are they struggling with the alcohol and the legal ramifications, their identity has been cut. People avoid them because they've now, you know, ostracized and there's this isolation. And then we, we all know where that leads. 
Um, and so that's just a, another example of how the gospel really works out in, in the life of a, of a person. Um, you mentioned yep. that you had some, some crazy stories or some, <laughs> some experiences with some uh, crazy people. I was kind of interested to, to hear about that. No doubt. Uh, and like I say, that was a, a huge experience, you know, getting on the department and starting to run calls with folks. Um, and I remember really early on, I, it's not traumatic at all, it, but I remember <laughs> going to the VFW and uh, this little old lady had fallen on the ice and hit her head. Oh, no. And I remember when I got there, she looked just like my grandma. And oh. I, I think I'd been on a couple of months and I, you know, I just had a heart for this woman. I, you know, helping her out. We're putting her on the, you know, the gurney and, uh, I'm just doing everything I can to love on this woman. And I tell you what, she called me every name in the book and, uh, obviously to her, to her, uh, defense, she, I think had been drinking a little bit. She'd hit her head. So who knows what was going on, but right. I remember it was a huge eye-opening experience. Like, like this could be my grandma. And she was saying things and not just like throwing it out there with conviction. She right. was uh, throwing out these uh, profanities at me just with a hatred. Oh, and I just wow. remember sitting there like, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is a whole new experience. <laughs> and, uh, it, I would tell you what my, I love my job. I love my career. There have been certainly highs and lows. Um, you know, I had to give the example the other day, we talk about, you know, the difficult calls, and, uh, you know, you're supposed to put them in that little book, close it away, put it on that shelf. And, it, you know, after a while, I got to that mo time where it's like that wasn't clean anymore. And I couldn't close that book. There's there's pages starting to fall out. And I remember it was just the, you know, the Lord helping me through some of those moments where some of those pages I ended up pulling out and framing them and putting them on the wall. And uh, obviously not literally, but, uh, you know, figuratively, but there's times when I end up thinking about some of those difficult calls and I don't find myself dragged down. I remember I got advice from my mom early on that, you know, it's okay to get down, but don't get depressed about being down. Don't get down on yourself for being in that hole. Mm. We're going to have highs and lows, but don't get down on yourself when you're in that hole. Understand it's a season. Yeah. And the things that we see, the things that we go through um, are not natural. And they, it, it's, there's a season that we have to navigate through. And I, I have certainly those lows, I've used my faith to help navigate out of those. But in some of those, they, they earn themselves a frame on the wall of my mind where I walk by them every now and then. I think about them, reflect about them, I cry about them, I pray about them, and I move on. And I keep on going down you know, the path that the Lord has set before me. I don't let any of them get me into a moment where I, I spiral out of control because I took control of those moments. I took control of uh, those feelings. And rather than trying to stuff them, rather than try to hide them, pull them out and uh, put them up there. And I see their faces. I smell the smells. And uh, I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah we, we take hold, right, with truth. Uh, we untangle our emotions with truth. We combat lies from the enemy, uh, from the evil one, and from our own sinful nature with truth. And I think that's the the most common rhythm we've seen in place for each person we have talked with in this series has been the rhythm of um, being saturated by the Word of God. And uh, that's what helps us to navigate seasons of adversity and seasons of relative comfort, right? 
um, where we get comp- are often to get complacent. Um, you know, John, I, one of the things you just made me think about when you were talking about, you know, that fellow you um, you've been walking with uh, through the hit, that season of adversity in his life. And I think this is probably one of the most difficult principles for us. Like Matt was saying, um, when, when someone fails, like you have one or two options, right? One is to extend hope. The other is to extend a judgment. Now it doesn't mean there aren't consequences for our decisions. And, um, the simple fact that you didn't turn a blind eye and you're still holding him accountable says a lot, right? But you didn't hold him accountable with, without grace at the same time. And it reminds me of this story in Luke chapter nine, verses 51 through 55. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Uh, He determined his face, other translations say, and says, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And it says, but he turned, Jesus turned and rebuked them. And I think about that text. And I think about like <laughs> the potential uh, or what the unique position Christians have as we lead, as we walk with others who are peers. Um, oftentimes we see failure. We see grievous sin. We see people reject Christ. People reject us, right? And man, our our sinful nature says, Lord, do you want us to call fire down <laughs> on their heads, right? Like, uh, which could have been your position. You know, you could have berated that guy when he uh, missed Bible study that day. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in this in this case, Jesus's rebuke sends us a reminder of what we should be doing. We shouldn't be calling down judgment. We should be giving and extending hope. And, uh, and that is a catalyst for change. You know, oftentimes we say and have heard it said that failure is not fatal, but failure to change can be. And when we fail, uh, woe to him who doesn't have a brother to pick him back up again, you know, woe to, and I would go further. Woe, woe to him who doesn't have a brother who would give him hope when he falls. Um, that's how we get up. And so man, I just want to commend you for your uh, steadfastness in the truth. Um, man, this series has been so exciting because man, we've just gotten to learn so much about different people who have different difficult jobs and in seeing how Christ has been at work in the midst of those things has been inspiring to me. Uh, would you say so, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it does put a face on what we typically think of like these, like the police officers, the firefighters, the, the first responders, it really puts a, um, a gospel face onto some of these professions that some people only interact with when they're in trouble, right. Or when bad things happen, I mean, when I don't usually go and hang out at the fire department, right. But if something bad happens, guess what? I'm hanging out with the firefighters and, um, (laughs) usually because it's something silly that I've done 
don't let's not talk about November um, or Thanksgiving <laughs> turkeys. But, July fourth, yeah, July fourth, <laughs> something something silly we've done. Um, but yeah, but but it really is is it's so fun to see that side of things, um, and then to hear about what God is doing in some of those hard professions where there's a brotherhood or a sisterhood or a family. I like how you said that where there's like, there's almost like an induction period or a, a period where you have to like earn your keep or earn your name. Um, your military is like that. You have basic training and every new unit you get to, you have to kind of prove yourself. You go through a trial period. Um, and if you come across as like the weird Bible thumper, you're going to get ostracized. ostracized. Yeah. There, you know, there's that. And then, um, then of course, like same thing with the police or the fire department, there's almost a, a desire for a hardness. And to do that, there's a, a desire to deaden our consciences through, um, you know, pornography or, or alcohol or, or just any of the, the worldly direction. So it's always amazing to me to see what God does, um, as he brings us out of that on the other side. Um, cause that's typically what happens is we go in, we get hardened. And then God has to soften us, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and I definitely appreciate, you know, everybody that's come on the podcast and really opened up about their own struggles. Um, I know it's not easy to show weakness because sometimes sharks get in the water and they, they see the blood and they're like, um, that's a weakness. But for us, it's not, um, you know, our weakness is really our strength in Christ. And so really, John, I really appreciate having you on um, and all that you've shared with us. No, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Ditto, ditto. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and uh, listen in next week as we continue in the series. Until next time, Neil and Matt, we out. We out.